Hey, and welcome to Redeeming Disorder, episode eight of season two. And today we're talking to Nick Becker. Nick is a guy I met at this conference called NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness in Madison. It happens every year, and this year, this past year, Nick came to it to perform some of his spoken word poetry, which uh, had a big impact on the audience. And I wanted to talk to him after and just get to know him a little more and see if he would be willing to talk about you know, both his personal life and what inspires that work, as well as share some of the work with you all. And so he was kind enough to agree to come on and talk about you know, his background, some of the personal and family challenges he's gone through, and recite some spoken word poetry, both what he shared at the conference and some new stuff. We are really excited to share this episode. It's a little different, so we kind of mix those two where we might jump from talking to Nick about his story to some of his work and vice versa. But uh, I think you all will get a lot out of it. Hope you enjoy. Here is Nick Becker. Welcome to Redeeming Disorder, where we delve into the world of mental disorder to overcome stigma, redeem perceptions, and start a conversation. Um, So Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you. How are you doing, Spencer? Good, good. Yeah, really happy to have you. Um, We've had such a diverse mix of people for this second season of our podcast. So Mm -hmm. it's cool to have you on here. And we I don't think we've ever had anyone share, uh, share some work of theirs or recite something or perform something on the podcast. So we're excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you want to just talk for a bit first, how'd you get into spoken word poetry? What sort of drew you to what you do now? So basically, um, about a year ago is when I started writing, and um, I started this, you know, I basically have been told, you know, by my case manager, you know, she heard me rap a little bit here and there, and um, she said, you know, you could really help people if you just kept developing your skill and kept writing, so I just kept writing for, you know, it's been a little over a year now, and I kept writing and writing, and developing my skill and just keep working at it and um this is what it made it today so yeah that's really cool so you said that feedback from your case manager what was where were you who was this case manager um that's her name's carly ducharme uh, mm-hmm. at pack and um yeah she's still my case manager today um she she basically started it all i mean she like initially put the idea in my head because you know honestly for a while, I wanted to pursue, um, I took acting classes, I wanted to be an actor, uh-huh. and before that, I wanted to be a rapper, and um, basically, I was listening to everybody around me telling me, I can't do it, I can't do it, you can't do it, you're not made out for this, you're just not, you're not cut out for this, and I finally just, like, listened to myself and my case manager and just said, like, just work at it and keep developing it, and, you know, here I am over a year later, just making it is what it, whatever it is today and keep spreading this message of hope so yeah that's awesome what is um what does it mean to, ha- to have a case manager um it's a program i'm in right now um 
impact program of a uh, uh, community treatment. Oh, okay, cool. And um, assertive community treatment, and um, it's just kind of like a wraparound program that I'm currently in. So. Yeah, and I mean, I thought it was really cool to see someone channeling that creative energy toward the issue of mental health. I think you don't see that too often. Um, if you're comfortable going deeper, what was sort of the inspiration? You said you wanted to act even before you realized you wanted to rap or write poetry. Uh, when did you sort of realize you had these creative ambitions? And when did you realize, you know, it was going to be mental health that you really wanted to focus on? Um, I would say it was a little bit over a year ago when I started writing seriously, like when I just dug in in the notebook and started walking around writing. And that's where I actually do most of my writing. A lot of it comes, not all of it, but when I actually write around Madison and write in my notebook walking, because that's where all my ideas yeah. stem from. And, and like, nice. I mean, so basically, um, you know, it came from this, I wanted to like, I want start a movement of positivity and mental health and erase the stigma and just like restore this image of mental health that I feel like so many people like just frown upon and stuff and it is hard to keep a positive outlook through it all and yeah that's it's really cool um and you know I first got in touch with you at NAMI where you were sharing a couple different uh works you did one of them was this poem about sort of that vision you have of treating mental illness like physical illness and of getting through that stigma. Um, could you talk a bit more about sort of your vision for how you would like mental health to be treated? Because I agree, you know, today it is really tough for someone who's mentally ill to be open about it. And you do face a lot of those um, automatic sort of knee-jerk perceptions that people have about what they think mental illness to be. Yeah. Well, I definitely think like, you know, like a bone is in your body, like the brain is in your body. Like mm -hmm. yeah, when yeah. we break a leg, we, we, every comes rushing in and I want to sign your cast. But when your brain is broken, no one, I mean, they can't sign your brain, obviously. <laughs> but I mean, people like think something's wrong because it's in your brain and like, what's going on? We can't see that. So is it true? Like, what's going on? Is, is he just, is this all in his head or what's going on? Because, like, I think it's really important that um, we treat, you know, physical the same as mental because it's all in our body. It's all in our chemistry. Mm -hmm. We're all in all this together. It's all in one, the brain, body, and it's all in one, you know? Right. Yeah, and it's connected for sure. I mean, you have some kind of emotional issue. I don't necessarily believe that we know exactly what maps to what and have it all figured out, but you have some kind of emotional issue or some kind of brain mental issue. It manifests itself physically for sure. I mean, even in simple instances of like before you spoke, I don't know if you were nervous at NAMI, but you know, if you if you were, your palms would have sweat, right? So it is all connected. I would love to know more about your story, um, like when you start, start, first started, um, you know, dealing with mental illness and, you know, when that came into your life. Yeah, so I started dealing with it um, when I was actually, the root of it all started when I was actually five years old. That's when my dad committed suicide. And, um, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's okay. And then, um, and then I... Um, was um, diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder at that point when I was five. 
and put on medications and stuff like that and just had a lot of issues with like anxiety with my mom and stuff because of my dad, you know, abandoning abandonment issues and stuff like that. And then, um, when I was, um, right before high school, so all up until high school, I basically dealt with a lot of anxiety, like really bad anxiety, social anxiety, just all that. And then right up until high school, a psychiatrist put me on an antidepressant, a second antidepressant. So that second antidepressant that triggered multiple manic episodes in high school, um, depression and just, just wild manias where like, you know, not, not just, just police contacts, not, never, nothing, just like not getting in trouble with the law, but like just stuff like that. Like just, um, manias where like, um, it was just, it's really hard to talk about in a, in honestly, but, um, yeah, it was really difficult. And I was, I was an outcast in high school. I went to, I went to, I went to, you know, Manola Grove. Then I went to East for a little bit. Then I went to Manola Grove alternative school. I got kicked out of that school. Then I graduated from Manola Grove liberal Edge charter school. So I kind of went to about four different high schools and just socially fitting in and still even today walking around and just, um, getting in touch with people today is just hard because I just feel the stigma of my mental illness. Like I just feel um, different and just like that people, it's hard for people to accept and stuff like that. So you feel kind of judged. Yeah. And they don't, they didn't understand what was going through except for a couple of close friends that were around me who, you know, they know the story, what's going on. So, right. Yeah. I was going to ask, did you ever try to explain whether it was your anxiety initially or later in high school after that second medication, the manic episodes, did you ever try and explain sort of what you were feeling inside to like teachers or anyone in the schools? Um, definitely probably some techers. Yeah. Um, not, probably, not again, cause especially back then I was yeah, like, I was just really not open to sharing back in high school. Like I was afraid yeah. of any support groups and stuff like that. Yeah. The stigma, but I eventually broke free from that. And now I'm, you know, performing, doing this, trying to spread this <laughs> message. It's turned around. So, you know, I believe in God and it works in mysterious ways. So. I love when you said that you smi- you were just like brightened up and you smiled and it seems like you just kind of like felt freedom by through performing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talking about that contrast between everything you struggled with and how free you are now in performing, I definitely, um, I mean, when I saw you at NAMI, I knew that, you know, based on what you were talking about, I knew that this pain lied underneath, but I didn't necessarily see the person who was afraid to talk about it at all. Um, you know, it was a, a big transformation, even without seeing you in high school to, you know, what we saw before, uh, at the conference and what you do today, um, which, you know, I really admire. And if you are up for sharing some of that work, yes. I think everyone would love to hear that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, 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 have, I have about... 20 or so poems memorized in my head. I could, I mean, what, what kind of, what would you like to hear? Would you, yeah. Well, I think the a really powerful one from the conference that we heard was how can we not talk about suicide? Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, that one really got me. And if you, if you're up for that, I think that could be really good. You'd like to hear that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. 
Right. Is this a good time or? Yeah, yeah. go for it. All right. All right. How can we not talk about suicide? I cannot say how my dad died. Instead, I just say it's really personal. But you know that makes it worse and all how we can't openly talk about suicide. So I guess I'll go along and I'll put up a divide. I'll let the shame of a parent who took his own life stop my strife as I shrink in height and cringe. Since this is when growing up I had an idea. Why can we be open instead of being broken when it comes to suicide? We put up a high tide of no, don't talk about that. It's not something you share. It's like, do you even care? If my dad died of a heart attack, well, in fact, people seem to sympathize more because it's easier to hear for the ear. See, the fear is in suicide, but I feel it's very vital to share this recital and change some words in the Bible. Heart disease you can die from. Now, some die from bipolar disorder. It's all in the body that Christ made, and some enter a dark cave that is inescapable. So I lay this all on the dinner table. Can we treat mental illness the same as physical illness? If your friend had cancer, you would answer the phone call. But if your friend was severely depressed, would you confess that you would just leave him alone as he crawls up in a ball and you hit the mall? Hey, y'all, I want some equality for mental illness, as we're not evil villains milling around causing havoc in society. We are misunderstood, filled with lots of anxiety. We get untruthful labels like killer, offender, when that isn't property. We are creative caterpillars that deserve respect, that are infectious with our love. We are brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, so why bother, why bother? Because it shakes my soul when I walk on by and hear lies about who I am. I am just like you. Only a brain chemical separates us. Try to frame that in your head. That is why no one understands mental illness because it is invisible. Well, I am not invisible. My disorder is invisible, but I am visible. I'm soaking up this brokenness as I go from mix to fix and tear down the bricks of stigma as I learn to let the hate dissipate as I control my own fate because I believe it's never too late to start a revolution. See, I see a solution that I want to make a contribution outside of an institution and skip electric as I believe from starting from evolution, that mental is just like physical, no longer mystical, but understandable. Not a fable nor a label, but the staple of geniuses. So stop being mean to us. From my heart to your heart, we're not that far apart. Now I'm going to pretend to wrap my arm around my daddy's neck and tell him that I turn the dark, broke path of suicide into the brightest love rainbow that can't be resisted being visited or listened to. As I stop one suicide at a time, you'll never be forgotten or leave my mind. That. Dang. Awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's super powerful. That's, yeah. that's really cool to hear. I'm blown away. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you can feel the inspiration behind it and what it means to you. And it definitely stuck out to me also what you said about uh, the labels that are attached to the mentally ill. Um, like at that conference, at the NAMI conference, there were a ton of seminars. And one of the ones I went to was about gun violence and about how you know a lot of legislators or people with certain political persuasions might try to sort of pin gun violence on the mentally ill. And you, you mentioned, you know, that we're labeled, labeled killers, et cetera. Um, I think that's a, you know, an issue under the surface. A lot of people don't realize, you know, affects the mentally ill. Yeah, that's true. And I've read articles about some of that. Um, haven't, um, you know, I've read stuff about that, how, you know, it's really not mentally ill people who are 
acting out in these violent situations. That does occur in some instances, but it's not right. the majority of it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Can, can yeah. I really liked in your poem when it sounded like when you were talking about talking about mental illness, feeling alone and dark and nobody would listen, nobody's calling. And then all of a sudden you like talk about, well, I'm not invisible. I'm here. And you're just kind of, I, I love that. Can you talk about that? process though of coming to that point where you were able to stand there with such confidence and talk about it like that um like yeah so basically you mean like what made me like want to come out and start advocating more about it yeah exactly and kind of how it feels to go from feeling like uh it's it's hard to talk about to getting that confidence because just like looking at you and your facial expressions and hearing you it seems like you transform when you start doing your poetry yeah i do i do i definitely like it's like it's kind of like um it's like having this different kind of like person like person like personality kind of kind of like come alive in you you know what i mean like come yeah out like a kind of fire burning in your soul mm-hmm. kind of so basically i mean basically it just took a lot of times i think like being cornered and not keeping it all inside it took a lot of years of just keeping it all inside for it eventually to come out like how it has come out that's basically what it comes down to and after listening listening to a lot of motivational videos and just how other people came through with stories and stuff like that it just i was like i gotta stand for something or i'm gonna die for nothing that's basically yeah, that's yeah. what i've been thinking about recently in my head like i'm gonna stand for something or i'm gonna die for nothing and i want to stand for something so that's where it comes from that sounds like a beginning of a poem <laughs> <laughs> your next one that's awesome yeah um yeah no that's uh i think definitely an expression like a lot of a lot of people do well to live by and it's cool to see you doing it uh i think my favorite line of the line that struck me the most was now I'm going to wrap my arms around my daddy's neck and tell him I turned the dark broken path of suicide into the brightest love rainbow that can't resist being visited or listened to. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, this is such intense, heavy stuff that you're turning into something good. Uh, do you ever, is it, is it ever a challenge, just the emotion entangled with your work? I mean, when you're writing something, do you ever kind of have to take a break or do you ever have to like let it develop organically over a period of time or do you just sort of go in, go in a zone and, and write it all out? What is your process like? Um, how I come up with, well, yeah, so this poem, that poem I actually did write mostly in my, in my house sitting, um, sitting down. But a lot of these poems, a lot of these poems I walk writing and I like walk down the street or not down like on the sidewalk or like, you know, like in a path, like a nature path and like write down these words and poems. Cause for me, it's to get those creative juices flowing. It, it, it it helps while I walk. For some reason, if I just sit down, it's hard to like, it's hard to get thoughts going in my head. So, but this poem I did actually was right, right inside my house. So, yeah. That's cool to hear that you walk because I'm a big believer in that. Actually, I think you do think better when you walk and like when you're standing or when you're sitting. Blood is pooling; it's not moving to your upper body as much. It's I think you really physiologically are different when you're walking. And then, like you said, how mind and body are connected. That 
of course affects your thought process and it's cool to hear that you put that in practice yeah so it's all different like a lot like i'll listen to music when i'm writing um instrumentals and stuff and now i'm trying to take it like i said to that music level so i'm trying to like learn how to catch beats and stuff like that and yeah yeah that's awesome so are you are you working on producing sort of like songs out of the poetry yeah that's my next goal i actually was just in the studio on monday and i made a song yeah i made a song it's like i i want to keep working on it because i feel like i had one person listen to it and they liked it but um that person you know um you know i just i, I want to keep working on it because i know song crafting takes a long time you know yeah, yeah. this all takes a long time to develop but yeah very um, cool i have a quite another question about the poem that you recited for us um i uh i heard you mention god and christ and bible has your faith been a big part of your transformation or um i know it has for me so that's why i ask yeah um I, I had, I, God has always been a cornerstone, like the backbone of like how I keep going and stuff like that. And whatever it is, I'm just really spiritual. Like, um, I, I do practice. I, I used to go to Catholic mass all the time with my grandma and, um, I've gone to non-denominational Christianity, um, churches and stuff like that. Right now I'm just trying to find my path more spiritually and, um, just find where I want to, um, how I want to practice my spirituality. But, um, yeah, it's really, it's really important to me. I really believe in a higher power and like, it's definitely like that. So that's cool. I, yeah. Um, Oh, shoot. I forget my question. Go ahead. (laughs) I didn't have a question. I was just, you know, vibing with them. (laughs) I was, uh, I, I like how you talk about spirituality as a concept because, you know, Laura is a Christian and is religious, and I'm not so religious, but, and I used to think it was kind of dumb when people would say this, but I, I do identify as a spiritual person, and I do think that that can exist on its own, mm-hmm. spirituality. And Absolutely. so I, I think it's cool that you talk about that, and I think it's something that has positive effects for people for sure. I, I'm kind of curious what you guys would say about this. I think believing in a, I mean, a, they teach this in AA, and it's very popular in a lot of um, therapy circles of believing in a higher power. And I think for mm-hmm. me, um, it's very helpful because I know that I cannot control only, I can only control what I can control. So knowing that somebody else is out there being in control is like extremely helpful <laughs> for my yeah. anxiety. And I don't know, is that ring true to you guys? Totally. I mean, it, if you have thoughts on this, Nick, please just uh, jump in and interrupt me. But I think what you're talking about is at the core of why religion and why spirituality is so powerful for people. It's I think what it is is self-transcendence. Mm. I think it's getting to something bigger than yourself. And, you know, obviously Christianity does that in that there is a higher power and it's bigger than just you. And... um can allow you, I think, to sort of be at peace with the ways that the world isn't how you want it to be, which I would call uh, just sort of a natural part of being an ego. And so where I find that isn't from religion necessarily, but from meditation and from sort of my thoughts about, I do think we're all connected and that um, this sense that 
there's an I, Spencer, who's doing all this stuff and wanting all this stuff and is disappointed and sad and happy, that that really is kind of an illusion. Hmm. And any way I think that you can get past that or see some kind of truth, I think has a really positive effect for someone. Well, yeah. And I think, Nick, when you're talking about feeling this like purpose with your life, um, I feel a lot of purpose in my life when I can see that there's a higher power and that like it's not like whatever bad stuff that I've gone through, it can be used for something good for other people. And it sounds like that's exactly what you feel. And I think, Spencer, that's true for you too. Yeah, for sure. Basically, and a lot of what drives me to do this poet is like I just want so like I want like I cannot describe like I, I feel it in like when I listen to the motivational tapes that I find on YouTube and stuff like that and through other people who have made it really successful. I just have it so driven in me. I cannot even describe like I just want so bad to make a difference. Like I want to make this world better. Like I want to make an impact on this world. Like I want to. I want to create something from that can be something seen that's beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. from lots yeah. of people that impacts the world positively. Cause I think that's just so important. I just, I totally believe that with my heart. Like it's so important to do something in this world. For sure. And living your passion. I mean, can you talk about what it feels like to be performing expressing yourself and your passion, which I feel like passion is sort of just like the things we do that we think are us, that we think identify with us, you know? So you feel it when you're doing something that expresses truly you. And what does that feel like? Um, it feels, it feels magical. It feels really special. It feels really, it feels really good. It feels, um, when I'm on stage and performing at conferences and stuff like that or events and it feels good because I, feel like I'm spreading this message of hope, positivity, inspiration. And that's, those are like the three words that I would describe that I'm all about is hope, positivity, inspiration. And when I'm on stage performing these words, I feel like I'm living what I'm trying to do with my dream and my vision and everything. So, yeah, it's really cool. You know, we don't need like a whole concert or anything, but if you want to share some more, uh, I think it would be really cool. You know, anything that, that you you know are liking right now or that's new or that you just would like to share if you're up for it yeah sure um yeah um let's see um here this one's this is a this is a newer one okay um it's called this lonely road um it's it mentions some anxiety so um This lonely road, looking ahead into the unknown, the choices that I've made have gotten me to forget my own home, so here I lay alone, out cold, lonely, but this is the only way to see the grow success, is to never let my mind rest, chasing the best, come on, this is one hell of a life test, show me what could be my way out, what's next. I'm not here to just be the best, but be the beast with the best message and leave this world with a unique type of bravery and a legacy that connects with souls, that creates and saves a soul. So before you think the dark day has you, I'm going to show you a way out of this narrow narrow cave. So wait, hold on. This high tide of emotion will subside and time will pass as this anxiety attack will pass at last. So take off that painful mask. Love yourself as you learn to ask for help, as I develop a special kind of relic, you can't sell it. 
back in the basement. You better make way for this raw difference making, taking this world by storm, how I just transformed from disaster after disaster. Got me screaming, I'm the master, master of my mind. Ask them what can we not accomplish. Oh, nice. Awesome. Cl- that created such a clear picture of what hope is. Because you talked about being like so dark and then finding that path to hope and asking for help, um, it, which I think is huge. Not enough people ask for help. Can you talk more about that? About um, has there been a moment in your life where you've had to ask for help and that's been a turning point? Yeah, definitely. I think like when after I got out of high school, that's especially when it started turning around. Um, you know, I was afraid to go to support groups and stuff like that. And finally, I just got the courage to go start going to support groups. And that's that's another turning point where I started creating maybe this vision of what I'm doing today and starting to do today. And I'm just getting started with stuff. But, you know, going to support groups, getting ideas from other people, help, sharing my help, getting help from other people, exchanging ideas and just getting support from other people. So uh, definitely attending support groups has helped in the past. Um, yeah. Do you think it was getting out of like the tough high school environment was part of freeing you to do that? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, high school is just such a, can be a harsh place. For sure. Um, getting out of that was, uh, it was helpful moving on from that experiences and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, community has been such a big theme, you know, even in our first season. Um, people have just talked about finding healing when they go and have a connection with a therapist or they go to a support group or they just meet people that are like them and have had similar experiences and can emote with them. And um, it's just, I, I'm just over, I'm just, it's amazing to keep hearing that theme over and over again and hearing that from you too. What would you say to somebody who has had somebody in their family or somebody close to them commit suicide? What were what are some things that you think would be helpful? Um, I, and I just want to say that every situation is different, so mm-hmm. definitely, yeah. like, um, this is maybe just my opinion because um, everyone feels differently about it. So I don't want to, de- 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 but I would say to find meaning in the suffering. To find meaning in suffering, I think, and I, this is kind of touchy to say stuff like this, but like, I do think I really truly believe I truly believe this that beautiful things can come from destruction. I just truly believe that, and I know it's kind of harsh to say that with suicide and stuff like that, but I truly believe that no matter how bad a situation gets, whether it's death, suicide, and stuff like that, whatever you're dealing with, a beautiful thing can come from that, and. To tell you the truth, like I'm living proof that's possible because, like, I want to be able to create this spoken word and this hopefully music one day and yeah, just try and look at the always try and look at the bright side, the positive of what can come from something so negative. There's always uh, there's always a silver lining to everything. So mm-hmm. I like that perspective. Yeah, 
I just had a really weird moment, Nick, when you right when you said beautiful things can come from destruction, lightning struck like outside <laughs> my window in Chicago. Um, so I just had a weird, uh, weird moment there. <laughs> uh, but uh, I want to ask, you know, do you think everything happens for a reason? Because I think that's also, you know, we were talking about what can come of people's uh, faith or their spirituality or their religion. And we come at this from kind of different places probably where, you know, I don't necessarily believe in a specific higher power who is all knowing and knows what's going to happen. But I do think that we're kind of in this chain reaction that is the world and that uh, what happens is kind of the only thing that could happen. I believe in this sort of philosophy called determinism and uh, I think that that's sort of like my parallel toward maybe a belief you have, I don't know, but do you think everything happens for a reason? I do, but I'll tell you, I still, I still will struggle with that sometimes because sometimes when things don't happen the way you want them to, you keep, you like, how can this happen? Like, how can, how can everything happen for a reason if it's not going the way I want it to? It's painful. Like, why would God put me through this if it's, but then you don't know he's putting this for you for a specific reason you know to help you to solve another problem in the world so you know ultimately to tell you the to tell you the truth my ultimately i do believe that everything happens for a reason i do yeah yeah, yeah. it's just uh, there's always that thing in the back of your head that will be like question it a second time you know that second yeah time. yeah but in the end i do think there's a reason for everything yeah i i kind of think so when I, I had a brain injury a long time ago, and it really shook my faith for a long time. Um, and I was really angry for a long time because I used to be this like peppy person that was like, everything happens for a reason. And, and not, not like, I, I'm, I'm saying that's how I was. I'm not saying other people who believe that are like that. I was just kind of yeah. caught in my own yeah. <laughs> um, positivity bubble. Um, but, but it's you know it's it it can be easier or harder to have that view and everyone is in a different place and has different reasons of course. Yeah, but I think when I went through my brain injury, um I kind of stopped believing that. Um and I still respect people who do believe it. I think for me, I just couldn't um I couldn't understand why some why bad things happen to good people. And I think what I've kind of come out of that believing is that things happen. I don't think that they are they happen for a reason, but I think beautiful things can come from bad things happening, if that makes sense. So um, that's just been the shift for me. But I, I love hearing your your perspective too. Yeah. No, it's it's cool that, you know, the different perspectives that can come out about this issue. It's I imagine everyone has a little bit of a different view about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for definitely. sure. Can you um, give, sorry, but can you give one more poem? Would you mind? I just, sure. I like <laughs> Yeah, it could be a really good way to close out. <laughs> what do you, what would you like to, like, what kind of topic, if I can try and fit a topic about? Honestly, I. Just uh, give I think, me some idea what to share. I think, um, you know, anything that is powerful for you, anything that is emotionally charged or that you really feel um, something that, uh, it doesn't even have to be about the specific topics we've talked about, um, but just anything that really resonates with you. Okay. Um, let's see. 
Well, I just, I feel like this one's really powerful because, um, it, well, we've been talking about a lot of spirituality and this is, this is the other one I did at the conference, Spencer, um, that. Oh yeah. Yep. I just feel like, um, it talks about mental health and depression and I think this one will give some people hope. So. Perfect. Um, okay. Awesome. I took a walk outside to clear my head. I know it's better than laying inside my bed. Those are when thoughts of being dead get entangled in my hurting head. I'm overwhelming, which has got my mind melting. No answering calls, no helping. See, this is my own dwelling I'm living in. A struggle so deep that can creep in at any given time. I'm afraid to say I want to whine. I don't understand what I'm going through. I feel like the wind blew the spirit out of my body, so I'm no longer not me. So I flee to an unknown universe and converse with God. As my head nods down, my spirit opens up, trapped about, snapped into pieces of this beautiful diseases. I have no peace. I am walking deceased. Please, Jesus, release us. It has been enough. What is going on is beyond torture tough. So they say when the going gets rough, Keep your head up because you never know what your tomorrow holds. So before I fold my cards, I flip them. And I show all aces that set my paces. I walk with an unbelievable look on my face. No time to waste. I put on my capable cape and I sprint with the Lord. As he hands me his holy sword, I don't kill evil just with my words. And I chose to fly away with bionic birds that soar in powerful herds that lift my weakness as I seek this thing called happiness. Wow. <laughs> Thanks a ton, Nick. Yeah. That was Thank great. you so much. The imagery is so awesome. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you. No, your work is powerful and it's awesome to see someone. You can just tell how passionate you are about it and it's really awesome to see. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, you know, you're pivoting now from your videos and from spoken word to music, uh, but we definitely want to tell our listeners where they can get a hold of you or where they can find whatever you want them to see. Uh, if there are any mediums, should they go and, you know, your YouTube channel is Beck Trek poetry. Is there anything else you want to throw out there? Yeah. So a little thing about the, the, the Beck Trek poetry, it's B E C K. Um, T R E K track, like the bicycle or track, mm-hmm. like star Trek and then space poetry. And we're, um, we're just getting that, we're, we started out with spoken word and I'm trying to transition more into music so we haven't put out a, a whole lot more videos but there's about six six or so videos up six, six seven videos up there on YouTube so you can find that out there mm-hmm. um, yeah um, and we'll put a link in our in our notes yeah, so people can find it for sure um, yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm trying to work with social media and stuff more I'm not big in the social media <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I would I need to get more into it because I want to spread this message of hope and yeah, positivity yeah. and inspiration. But sure, there's a sure. backtrack Facebook page. It's just back it's the same thing. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. back yeah. and then space poetry Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um um or if anyone wants or you can email to at backtrackpoetry at gmail dot com. So that's backtrackpoetry at gmail.com. Yep. Okay, Great. awesome. Well, man. Cool. well, thanks so much for talking to us. Definitely. Yeah, I appreciate you. your time. I appreciate you having me on here. I really thankful for it.
as always, to stay in touch with us by email and hear about the podcast behind the scenes, you can visit us on redeemingdisorder.com. And special thanks to Hetty, who donated our theme music from her song, Shipwrecking Me, from her latest album. Be sure to check it out at hettymusic.com. Join us next week, and until then, we hope you feel empowered to start a conversation of your own. Mm -hmm.